I have to begin with a confession. A confession where you'll appreciate the symbolic importance of my having just moved the Bible with the passage from 1 Corinthians 15 out of the way. In preparing this sermon, I completely forgot about the Bible reading until I'd more or less finished. So I had to look at it. Shall I really do something about this? Let me just take a moment or two to wriggle before going on with what I was going to say. That passage in 1 Corinthians 15 is the earliest surviving statement from the early church of what the gospel, the good news, is. That word gospel came twice. Some translations such as say good news, same thing. It's one of the shorter ones. We get several in various speeches in the Acts of the Apostles. And there are four rather well-known long ones at the beginning of the New Testament. Is it the same as a creed? No, it isn't. And that's my point, I think, that there's a lot of overlap. In that passage that James just read, there are several bits that also feature in the Nicene Creed. And I personally like the bits that come in the gospel best of all. That's, that's just me, perhaps. <clears throat> a creed is different from a gospel, even if it has a lot of the same content, because it has a different purpose. I'm not going to stop and say now what the purpose of a creed is. You've possibly picked a certain amount up, and if you haven't, maybe I'll say one or two things if you stay awake uh, later on. But a gospel is good news. Good news is something you're pleased to get. Good news is something you want to pass on to other people. A creed is a bit different. Thinking of a bit in the Nicene Creed, have you ever been desperate to pass on to other people that the Holy Spirit proceeds from both the Father and from the Son? That's the bit I don't understand anyway, myself. So, the purpose of a creed is different. The purpose of a gospel, we know what that is. Okay? Anyway, we say it in every communion service, don't we? And I wonder, actually, I wonder what actually it means to us. Probably different things to different people. <clears throat> Many years ago, <clears throat> like about 55 or 60, I was rather keen on it. Nicene Creed. We'd get the Nicene Creed and various other bits of liturgy in Friday morning school assemblies. It meant that assembly overran, so lesson one was late starting. Yes. For some of you, I guess it's a very important ingredient in the service. Others may think it's just what you get when you're in the C of E. But if we say the Nicene Creed, I guess that we therefore believe it, whatever believe actually means. We'll come back to that. <clears throat> I don't think the use I had for it was quite what its makers intended. The original idea was to put an end to a long period of disagreements on Christian doctrine. The fourth century Roman emperor, Constantine, the first Christian emperor, wanted to use the Christian faith and the Christian church to help him run the empire. <clears throat> 
but it wouldn't be much use to him if it couldn't get its doctrines all cut and dried. You can't run an empire from a debating chamber. And authoritarian rulers don't usually like debate much anyway. So he set up the Council of Nicaea to get the great debates about theology out of the way. And eventually, out came the Nicene Creed. <clears throat> Do you know what the Nicene Creed reminds me of? Something else beginning with N and C. The national curriculum. <laughs> when I started teaching, everything in education got argued over. What to teach, how to teach it, and just about everything else. Then the government announced what it called the great debate about education. I was puzzled, but I thought the whole thing was a great debate anyway. Then a depressing thought occurred to me. Yes, I was right. In due course, we got the national curriculum, and there was no more debate about anything that mattered. So yes, the Nicene Creed also started out as a kind of political weapon. So maybe we don't need to be too starry-eyed about it, though with its various revisions, most Christians now seem pretty happy with it. But it meant it had one significance for the people who produced it. It doesn't have quite that same one for us now. You see, people actually bother about statements of belief in practice when there's disagreement. I think I may have signed a statement of belief uh, many years ago, but if I did, it will have been to say that I was this kind of Christian, not that kind. But the Nicene Creed, well, there are religious groups that don't accept it all. Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons would be well-known examples, but in general, it's not controversial. Certainly all Protestants and Roman Catholics are supposed to accept it. So if it's not controversial, why do we keep on bothering with it? I mean, you know, it was sorted out ages ago that the earth isn't flat, so we don't stand up on a weekly basis and proclaim that fact to each other, do we? So, I mean, I'm not quite sure why we stand up and say the Nicene Creed. So, sorry if that's what you thought I was supposed to be doing this morning. But I did look online for a few ideas. Yeah, I did try but I wasn't altogether grabbed by anything that I found. But I do think it really matters that we should try and get clear about what we believe and about what believing it involves. Of course, what we believe, that means doctrine. And doctrine has to be about the most uncool subject in the Christian church. Boring. It's intellectual, not practical. Absolute rubbish. I propose to take two little bits of the creed and show that you can't do intellectual without practical or practical without intellectual. My first bit is from near the beginning. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. And I want to focus down on just that one word, maker. It's about as basic a word as you get in English, Anglo-Saxon, not Norman French or Latin. When it finds its way into talk about doctrine, 
it usually becomes the Latinous word creator, and we hear about creation. Same thing, though. If you'd been around the Christian church 30, 40, 50 years ago and kept your ears open for talk about creation, what you would most likely have heard was whether you believed in creation or evolution. I understand that most scientists today who are Christians don't think it's either or. They think God created the universe and evolution was how it happened. I'm no scientist at all. I'm just repeating what I hear. But if believing in creation is more than just not believing in something else, what is it? Maybe nowadays that's getting painfully obvious. If God made heaven and earth, and according to Genesis thought it was very good, then what are we doing trashing it? God made humans in his image, Genesis says, and it looks as if that phrase, in God's image, means at least keeping an eye on the rest of creation and caring for it. I once heard a Christian complain, I don't remember anything in Paul's letters about putting your recycling out. I trust we can manage a bit better than that. It won't have seemed much of an issue in New Testament times. Um, it was a bit of an issue, but uh, Roman farming practices were damaging land in North Africa and Arabia. Uh, there was this massive industry in catching and transporting wild animals to be killed in Roman amphitheaters. It led to a serious reduction in, the, in various animal populations. But not likely to be something that early Christians would be aware of. Though there's quite a bit in the Bible on what we would call caring for the environment. In the bits we never, we never read. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wasn't I supposed to be talking about the Nicene Creed? And have you seen the answer coming? You watch what I do with the Earth's resources, what I spend my money on, what rubbish I create, how I dispose of it, and you may begin to form an opinion on whether I really believe in that God. My other bit of the Nicene Creed is from near the end. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. And it's that word Catholic I want to focus on. We're used to being told it, just doesn't, it doesn't just mean Catholic, as in Roman Catholic, but covers all Christian believers. Yep, absolutely true. But that's not all, and it's not what it meant originally. In the fourth century, they didn't have Roman Catholics, Anglicans, Pentecostals, Baptists, or any of that lot. Even the great divide between the Eastern and the Western churches hadn't happened yet. So what on earth did the word mean? Well, the word Catholic meant something like all-embracing. The letters H-O-L in Catholic have nothing to do with the H-O-L in holy, but everything to do with the H-O-L in W-H-O-L-E. So if I say... I believe in one Catholic church. I'm, of course, not just saying I believe it exists. I'm saying we should think and act as if our church embraces 
all followers of Jesus. And do you think I'm just grinding an axe or I'm making it up or something? Does it get much of a look in in the New Testament, this kind of stuff? Yes. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no, <coughs> there is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Paul in Galatians chapter 3. <coughs> or in Colossians chapter 3. There is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. He is saying, take the major ethnic status and power distinctions of ancient pagan society and well, he's not saying pretend they don't exist he's saying remember that these distinctions do exist and then act live and treat people as if they don't exist so again he's not saying pretend these distinctions don't exist pretend there isn't male and female Greek or Jew, etc. But <clears throat> act, live, and treat people as if those don't exist. Those distinctions don't exist. There are a lot of people who claim to be followers of Jesus who support someone who says America first. You cannot say America first or Britain or anywhere else first, and also say Jesus first. It's not being Catholic in the sense of the creed. And when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news, he was, if you think about it, insisting on Catholicity. Catholicity, but not uniformity of culture, style, language, etc. For instance, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit communicated in all the languages of those who were there. It wasn't strictly necessary, though. Greek and Aramaic would have done the getting the message across job perfectly well. But that, evidently, wouldn't have been good enough for the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Martin got people to say the Lord's Prayer in a different language each week? Maybe you thought it was pointless, or even just bonkers. No. It was a foretaste, a kind of foretaste of heaven. I looked, and there was a great <coughs> multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and, <coughs> and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the, the Lamb. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. That fourfold list, nations and tribes and peoples and languages, comes seven times in the book of Revelation, and in Jewish writings, the number seven usually tells you it's something special you're dealing with. I've labored the biblical basis for all this, rather, I suppose, to be honest, because I was afraid you might not believe me. But it really is all there. And there was one thing I'd, meant, I'd planned to mention, and then... Sandra went and did the job for me before the service. Didn't know that was coming. Sunil and his family, uh, in how we pray, in how we give, I'm sure we believe in one Catholic 
church. And you're wondering again whether this is really about the Nicene Creed. Well, I've got led astray a bit. The English word creed is formed from the first word of the Latin translation of it, credo, and it just means I believe. And it's belief I've been concerned with. I've had two main concerns behind what I've said, just to wrap things up a bit. One is about the connection between then and now. The doctrines we believe are exactly the same as those in the Creed and the New Testament, because God hasn't changed. How we live out those doctrines may be very different, though. Extremely different in the case of believing in God as maker of heaven and earth. The first Christians would have found the state of creation today almost inconceivable. One Catholic church, though, would have been a much less remote idea. Remember the Gentile churches of what we think of as Greece collected money for the starving Jewish church in Jerusalem. But there's still plenty of work for us to do now in sorting out where the divisions come in our day. If there's neither X nor Y in Christ Jesus, where do we find our X's and our Y's? People like us, people not like us, not our kind of people, our kind of people, etc. Um, have we stuck it out in this church so far? Because it's fairly much made up of people sort of tolerably like us. You can look at me and think, no, not, not like him. But um, I said I had two concerns. The other one is about what believing involves. Typically, we believe that something is the case. I believe that Pontius Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea from 26 to 36 AD. I believe that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. That second phrase is, of course, from the Creed. I left a bit out. Little phrase, for our sake. That brings us into it. It leads us on somewhere that makes a difference. We won't go there now, but you know, I guess, what I mean. You cannot believe the bits in the creed I've been talking about without experiencing emotion, taking up attitudes, taking decisions, doing stuff. Whether you can treat every bit of the creed that way, I haven't really stopped to think properly. But even for the bits I have talked about, there's far more to say than I could possibly fit in. <coughs> now, I hate cliches. I'm going to have to ask you to pardon one of the worst of a lot. Believing in the creed is like going on a journey. I've done a bit to set the sat-nav for you, but in no time you'll lose signal. Then you'll have to get a good old-fashioned map and work it out yourselves. Bon voyage. <laughs>